name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound uh, reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. We are on the eve of the Solemnity of the Immaculate Conception, and as we will see during the preface of the Mass, there was going to be a, a beautiful synthesis of the mystery of the Immaculate Conception of our Blessed Mother. In that preface, we read uh, really what God did with her. It says, For you preserved the most blessed Virgin Mary from all stain of original sin so that in her, endowed with the rich fullness of your grace, you might prepare a worthy mother for your son and signify the beginning of the church, his beautiful bride without spot or wrinkle. She, the most pure virgin, was to bring forth a son, the innocent lamb, who would wipe away our offenses. You placed her above all others to be, for your people, an advocate of grace and a model of holiness. And so, in the company of choirs of angels, we praise you, and with joy we proclaim. And we go on to say the Sanctus, the Holy, Holy, Holy. So that preface we really have in a, in a very sort of quick telegraphic passage, really all the mystery of what God has done with our Blessed Mother. She, Mary, Mary signifies not just purity and fullness of grace in and of herself, as though she were simply kind of like an isolated reserve, but her purity also signifies the very beginning of the church as, as his bride, without spot, without wrinkle. The church is without spot or wrinkle. And we might wonder, well, how can we call the, the church, how would we call the church a bride? Well, the church as Christ's bride is inseparable from understanding the church as part of the mystical body of Christ. That's how we understand the church to be his bride. The church is his bride because Jesus is the bridegroom. You know, in the scriptures several times, he spoke of himself as the bridegroom. You know, when he says... How, how can the guests fast eh, when the bridegroom is still with them? But when he goes, then they will fast. So when he talks about the bridegroom, he's referring to himself. And we are, you could say, in the church. And uh, we are part of his mystical body. And the church is, is a mother 
also because our souls are born in her and this motherhood flows forth from her role as the bride of Christ so we are children under her mantle there are ancient uh, paintings showing the Blessed Virgin kind of wearing a mantle and then all the like the members of these different confraternities all these people huddled underneath our Blessed Mother kind of under her protection and of course for all that to happen for the church to be the bride of Christ well God had to start with the Blessed Virgin Mary she was the pure virgin that God wanted that God sort of fired together to be the mother of his son and uh, maybe this all this talk about the blessed virgin as being all pure like that ancient hymn you know tota tota pulcra es maria that was an ancient hymn i think from the from the 4th century that started with that title or that invocation tota pulcra you know all uh, all beautiful pulcra is beautiful right in that you are all beautiful. And it says, Tota pulcra es Maria et macula originalis non est in te. You are all beautiful, Mary, and the original stain of sin is not in you. It says, Tu Gloria Jerusalem, tu Letizia Israel, tu onificentia populi nostri. You are the glory of Jerusalem. You are the joy of Israel. You give honor to our people. To onificentia populi nostri. It's a beautiful hymn. Uh, I don't know exactly when exactly when it dates to, but it's a very ancient hymn that the that the church would sing in honor of our Blessed Mother, in particular in honor of the Immaculate Conception, and. Um, I think actually that Tota Pulcra will be sung during the antiphon in tomorrow's uh, solemnity. And when we hear that, Tota Pulcra, she's all beautiful. She's like without wrinkles. She's, she's got no stain of original sin. She's like amazing. And we may, we may think, oh, okay, that's good, but it seems to be well out of my reach. In a certain way, well, it's true, she is. Because God made her like that. She was made pure by special privilege of God but we shouldn't think that she's outside of our reach in the sense that we can ask her to intercede for us so that we too might be strong that we might be faithful that we might serve God with a clean heart even though she is tota pulcra, that she's all beautiful she has no stain of course because she's like that she can intercede for us in a very very powerful way and uh, she can garner for us a very humble and trusting heart so that we don't get anxious so that we don't get sad about our defects our signs of lukewarmness our weakness our 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 limitations even our fears or our, our anxiety or when we see our sins our very sins because if God can operate with the Blessed Virgin from scratch, so to speak, He can operate in us too. He can do something 
quite beautiful. Maybe we are not totapulcra, we are not totally, perfectly immaculate like she was. But we have to remember, you know, the devil wants us to be very discouraged. He wants us to be frightened by the very possibility or, let's say, the very need that we have to struggle. The, the devil likes to stress us out. That's what he wants to do. But when we look at our Blessed Mother, we have to be like filled with calm. We have to be filled with a sense of trust in God. In fact, the first psalm, psalm number one, invites us to that confidence that we have to have in God. That's trust in God. It says, happy the man who has placed his trust in the Lord. Or blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. You know, imagine walking in the way of sinners or, or sits in the seat of scoffers. I don't know exactly what a scoffer is. You know, scoffers are somebody who's like, ah, we can't do this, you know. It's like a, a somebody who scoffs is somebody who's cynical, who's somehow, you know, derides the beauty of of purity. They scoff at it. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. It's a, it's a beautiful image to, to meditate on the law of God. There's a certain uh, stability that comes as a result of that. To meditate on the law of God means that we live with a spirit of confidence in God, a spirit of trust, that we live in a real supernatural outlook always. And the result of that, the psalm says, what is the result of that? It says, he is like a tree that is planted beside the flowing waters, that yields its fruit in due season, and whose leaves shall never fade. And all that he does shall prosper. It's like when we live that kind of confidence in God, when we meditate on his law day and night, like when we have confidence, we live and garner that, that supernatural outlook, you know, we're like a tree planted next to the water. I mean, if you're a tree planted next to the water, you always have access to, to this nourishment that you need. If you're a tree planted in the middle of the desert, I mean, how are you going to survive? It never rains. It's, uh, you, there's no, your roots uh, are looking for water, but there is none. In fact, the, the first centuries, the early Christians would put Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 together because both invite us to think about what really happens to us when we see everything through the prism of God's love everything through the prism of God's plan, God's fatherly care, when we really see ourselves as children and that we develop that sense of stability, that trust in God. And uh, we come to realize that our deepest uh, meaning, our deepest identity is that we are loved by God. Not because of what we can do, our abilities, our intelligence, our capacities, even in some way because of our virtues. 
or because we somehow gain some kind of brownie points, as they say, or or have the correct answers or the correct criteria that we might provide, but simply because he has a plan for us. That's you know that's what happens. You know that we are like a, a tree planted beside flowing waters because we don't we don't stand in the way of sinners. The sinner trusts in his own abilities. The sinner doesn't really trust in God, doesn't see the broader plan of his life or her life. We don't simply try to garner sort of positive points with God as such. You know, I don't know if you remember in elementary school, when you did homework, a teacher would give you a sticker for finishing your homework. Sometimes you get a star, sometimes you get a nice flower, sometimes you get a a golden star or something, you know, and it was always very exciting to get one of those stars because you finished your homework. And if you didn't do it and you didn't get a star, well, I mean, you know, I don't know, you didn't do a good job or something, you know, and uh, it always seemed like the girls got more golden stars and, <laughs> you know, and their sheets would come back luminous with, uh, you know, with all these stickers and stars. And, um, and uh, you know, that's, it's not what makes us pleasing to God the number of stickers we have on our on our efforts, let's say. You know? That's why the, the psalm speaks of being blessed, be, that is, being happy. You know? And it points out that what we need to do in order to be happy, you know, that we that we just have to live in the presence of God, live his law. Blessed is the man who who belongs to the kingdom of God. This is why the Lord spoke like that about the Beatitudes. And after all, we call Our Lady the Blessed Virgin Mary. We don't just call her Mary. She's not just Mary. She is the Blessed Virgin Mary. It means she's blessed. She's happy. To be blessed is part of her identity because she has been made by the power of God. God has garnered her with all kinds of privileges. And she received all those uh, trustingly and freely and confidently. So let's not get used to thriving on this truth of living as blessed as happy. We mustn't get to take this too much for granted because really it is true. God has made us his children. We're sons and daughters of God. We know it. Maybe we're not always experiencing it as an expression of blessedness. We know it, but we're not always like happy about it. We, we run the risk of getting used to this vocation, perhaps by merely seeing it in human terms, or mere human disappointment sometimes, but yet it is it's so much more. And that's why anytime anything hard happens, we have to really see it through the lens of God's love for us, through our divine filiation. So often we use that expression, but does it really make me happy, blessed, you know, cheerful? Do I really have uh, access to that cheerfulness, you know, like the Blessed Virgin Mary did, even though she suffered at the foot of the cross? She was still the Blessed Virgin Mary. Perhaps you... You heard about that in 1986. Um, there was a special shuttle mission, the Challenger, that had a mission to go, you know, 
to outer space and um, as it went up and as the rocket took off there was a massive uh, explosion as it went up and it was being filmed and watched by thousands and thousands of people and just suddenly blew up in, in midair right there with, and seven astronauts uh, were killed it was a very tragic moment especially because it had been shown on live TV and that very night Ronald Reagan, the President of the United States, gave probably what was one of his best speeches ever. And uh, you know, he evoked how you know, the tragedy was felt by everybody. And he said, we've, we've gotten used to wonders in this century. And it's, he says, it's hard to dazzle us. But for 25 years, the United States space program has been doing just that, he said. We've, we've grown used to the idea of space. And perhaps, he said, we forget that we've only just begun. We're still pioneers. And they, he said, the members of the Challenger crew, were pioneers. And then he addressed the children who were watching this live and saw that explosion. He said, I, I know it is hard to understand, but sometimes painful things like this happen. It's all part of the process of exploration and discovery. It's all part of taking a chance and expanding man's horizons. The future, he said, doesn't belong to the faint-hearted. It belongs to the brave. The Challenger crew was pulling us into the future and we'll continue to follow them and then he addressed all those people that worked at NASA in the space program he said your dedication and professionalism has moved and impressed us for decades and we know of your anguish and we share it he really saw that great tragedy in terms of a greater mission you know in this case it was just the discovery of space and, and you know the advancement and space exploration and all that and uh, you know he really saw you know he really sort of pulled together people even in front of such a terrible tragedy and you and I too we have to we have to see our lives in terms of that that greater plan that God has for us, even when, let's say, we suffer pain and hardship sometimes. And that means showing our Lord real expressions of trust in Him. And like, like Jeremiah said, the prophet, he said, a curse on the man who puts his trust in man, as, as opposed to God. He said, who relies, he says, on the things of, of flesh, whose heart turns from the Lord. He's like a dry shrub in the wasteland. If good comes, he has no eyes for it. He settles in the parched places of the wilderness, a salt land uninhabitable. No, it's, a, it's a powerful uh, contrast to that tree that is planted 
by running water, saying that the tree is, you know, maybe in the desert, maybe in a hard moment, but it has access to something very, very nourishing. You know? And we too have to feel that access as well. And this will happen if we really ask the Lord, uh, you know, to give us that that confidence. How we, how can we do that? Well, we have to we have to pray about this. By the way, for that matter, we read Scripture. We read it slowly, and as we read it, somewhere there along the line, we will grow in confidence in God. I mean, there's these Psalms, like that. There was that lady who was going through a hard time, and she said she read a brief line that she'd no doubt read before many times the, the Lord is my shepherd, there's nothing I shall want. And just reading that uh, lifted up her spirits, but also gave her a much greater faith. And the Lord is my shepherd. And we have to find ways to understand more deeply and, uh, you could say, feel more deeply anchored in the fact that our Lord is indeed our shepherd. And um, otherwise we are like a dry shrub in the wasteland. If good comes, he has no eyes for it. He has no eyes. Doesn't doesn't recognize the good, you know, the the real omnia in bonum, you know, all things work out for the good, mm-hmm. and that means we end up just working with uh, human motives, yeah. maybe seeking more and more to be recognized, or you know, never stopping at our work, becoming activists. All that will make us a little bit like that dry shrub, the dry shrub in the wasteland. If good comes, he has no eyes for it. He settles in the parched places of the wilderness, a salt land that is uninhabited. But if we have confidence in God, and if we nourish that confidence in our prayer, and we make acts of abandonment in our divine filiation, that we are sons and daughters of God, that God can do something with us just as he did with the Blessed Virgin Mary. I mean, she became totapulkra, all beautiful. Maybe we're not going to be totapulkra, but, but God can do something with us according to our mission, according to our purpose. He made something of her because she had the mission to be the mother of God. To be the mother of God, she had to be all pure. She had to be conceived without original sin. She had to kind of, you know, exercise her mission as mother of God. And God used his power to make her as he wanted, all beautiful, all blessed. And um, it's important that we we really don't rely too, too much on our human motives. uh, You know, and and yet if we have confidence in God and we really live for him, we can be like Bernadette Subiru, as she listened to Our Lady who was speaking to her in that vision and she was told to go and uh, to go to the stream or something, you know, where there was like a little, the little river, I think it was called the River Gave or Gav and, and uh, she thought it was the big river but no, no, that's not what Our Lady wanted. There was a, there was a source of water and she told her to dig into this ground where there didn't seem to be anything of value and yet nevertheless she did what Our Lady asked her and as she started to dig there was nothing until finally finally she saw this water inside that grotto started as a little trickle but then well it became a real source of water that's still 
There's people still bathing in it today. And it was a constant spring. That's what we can do with, the, with God's grace as we garner more confidence in, in God's action in our life. And we won't be like that dry scrub in the wastelands that uh, Jeremiah spoke, spoke about. He said, Jeremiah says, a blessing on the man who puts his trust in the Lord, but the Lord for his hope. He's like a tree by the waterside that, trust, that thrusts its root to the stream. When the heat comes, it feels no alarm. Its foliage stays green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never ceases to bear fruit. You can see it sounds a lot like Psalm number one, right? The idea of a, of a tree that is planted next to that river, that stream. Even if the heat comes, you know, we always have access to our divine filiation. Even if we see our own failures, our own limitations, even our sins, we can always get up again, be strong, and indeed help others to be strong, to have confidence in God, trust in God. Because God has given us a mission, God has given us a purpose, and even though we go through hard times sometimes, we may get very discouraged, we may see our own weaknesses, our own insecurities sometimes, but you know, God doesn't mind seeing our insecurities, because there are opportunities for us to really trust in Him. And uh, we can say with our Blessed Mother, as we will celebrate tomorrow, my soul magnifies the Lord. I just want to be a magnifying glass to the Lord, make Him more known, make Him more clearly available or, or understood by others. I mean, to say my soul magnifies the Lord is a way for us, with our confidence in Him, our trust in Him, our sense of blessedness, and to make Him really known to others. We, we all learn from others in the way they have confidence in God. And today and, and tomorrow, of course, we'll pray in a special way to the Blessed Virgin Mary with her immaculate heart and her, her beauty. You are all beautiful. And you will intercede for me so that I too come closer to become you know, the version of myself that God really wants us to be. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you how to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Mm-hmm.